Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Amen. Go to Hebrews chapter 5, if you will. I want to pick up where we started last week, where we left off last week. We were talking along the lines of truth. Um, overcoming deception, overcoming the lies and the trickery of the enemy. We learned last week, beginning with Genesis chapter 3, that the, the enemy uh, was introduced, that snake was introduced in the garden as a cunning and crafty animal, character, being. It said that uh, he was the most cunning of all the beasts in the garden. We saw that that word means tricky. It means subtle. And so we learned something in that moment that the way the enemy works in our lives is not just with outright blatant disregard and disobedience for the word of God, but he uh, will lace uh, and, and mix in deception and lies into what seems good. Remember, Eve saw the fruit and she saw that it was good and thought it would make her wise, right? And so uh, there was not just a, you know what, I don't care about the command of God. I don't, command, I don't care that he commanded us not to eat of this fruit. They thought they were actually achieving something of a godly purpose. Remember what he said? If you eat of this fruit, you'll be more like God, right? So look, how many times do we go after things thinking we're improving ourselves when we're actually walking away from the direct command of God? And if this is how the enemy worked in the beginning, well, you can be assured this is how he's working today. In fact, we are promised that in the last days, many will fall away from the faith. Uh, we will accumulate or heap up for ourselves teachers. And again, I just find that so interesting. In the last days, we're not gonna have a shortage of teachers and a shortage of preachers, and a shortage of evangelists this and minister that, we're going to have more than we know what to do with. There, there's more than you could fill your days with podcasts and books and blogs and readings and, and, and churches on every corner. How do we assimilate and how do we uh, find the truth in the mix of all this that appeals and that looks like truth and carries the image of truth. And so we ended here in Hebrews chapter 5. And I want to start here. It was um, kind of a launching off point, if you will. I wasn't finishing last week. We were just uh, kind of really just really discovering what the word of God says and how we can make sure that we do not become deceived like that. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 in the New King James, of whom we have much to say, much to say, and hard to explain. Hard to explain. Now, right there, we can think, well, yeah, the Word of God can be hard to understand. Anybody ever read the Word and been like, I have no idea what that means? Over my head. What does that even mean? What is this? What, what is he even trying to say here? Why did they even do that? 
what was going on in this, in this instance. Sure, we can always have those opportunities. We can always have those moments. That's why we need the revelator. That's why we need the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. Apparently, truth is so important to God that he gave us a spirit of truth. Apparently, he wanted us to know it so bad that he said, I'm going to leave you with someone that is the spirit of truth. And you're going to have to connect with him. And you're going to have to lock in with him. Because apparently, it's not that easy to recognize truth sometimes. It's not going to be that simple to discern between good and evil as we're going to see at the end of this passage. So I'm giving you a Holy Spirit. I'm giving you a helper. I'm giving you a standby. I'm giving you someone that's going to come alongside and he is going to assist in revealing truth. You're not going to be able to do it on your own. Not going to be able to do it on your own. But that's not why he says it's hard to explain. He goes on here and he says the reason why it's hard to explain is since you have become dull of hearing. Dull of hearing. For though, by this time, now we're talking about a reference of time now. He's saying literal, tangible time has passed, and you should be teachers. You should be translating this and helping others see this. You should be moving from consumer mode to contributor mode. You should be moving from just simply receiving to giving away. He says there's a literal time. Now, how, what, what amount of time does that look like? He doesn't give us specifics, and he doesn't say, well, this amount of time. After, after six months of being a churchgoer, you ought to convert from being one that's just receiving to one that starts giving. But we, we don't have that type of specific time frame. But I can walk you back to the Corinthian church, the first Corinthians chapter three. Paul is addressing the spiritual maturity of the church. In first Corinthians three, verses one through one, two, and three, one through three, he identifies that over time you should have become spiritually mature. There should have been a growth and a maturation that showed up spiritually. But he calls them, in 1 Corinthians 3, spiritual babes, infants, not able to take the meat of the word, but still requiring the milk of the word. Okay? Now, historically, we know that Paul planted that church, and from a time period between four to seven years, he writes this 1 Corinthian letter to the Corinthian church. So we can deduce this, that somewhere between four to seven years, there was an expectation Paul had, a solid expectation, that you ought to be able to have this. You ought to be able to take this. You ought to be able to receive this. But we're not. We're still producing immaturity. We're still not quite developed to the level that we need to where. And so now the writer, who many believe for Hebrews, um, was, was Paul as well. We don't have full confirmation on that, but there's a lot of things that tie in and connect with a lot of the other writings, the other epistles that we know Paul wrote, a lot of similarities. And, and this writer is alluding to kind of the same thing. There's a time frame where we should have expected development, maturation, progression, growth. You know, when we talk about spiritual growth, we, we 
a lot of times talk about it like this thing of, oh, the spiritually mature, the haughty and the prideful. But that's not how Paul talked about it. That's not how Jesus talked about it. There's a difference between being childlike and childish. There are some things that as we grow and develop that we should put off and that we should obtain to. Okay? Not in a prideful manner. Not in a way of thinking you've achieved something when you haven't really, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law. They, they thought they had achieved some status and some level. And that's not, we don't grow spiritually to impress God. Let's just get that out of the way. You grow spiritually so you can be more like him in the earth. And you can produce the word of God. And so he says here, you should be able to teach but you need someone to teach you again. So he's covering, you've known this, you've heard this, you've seen this, you've been taught this. I know the people that have invested in your life and I know what they've poured into you. You ever done that with someone maybe in, in just maybe in your environment? Maybe you train someone, maybe you're teaching someone, raising children. Isn't it the worst going back to your kids about stuff that they should already be doing? You know this. We cover this every night. I mean, my son, the things I have to cover with him every night. I know you think I'm a you know, pastor's life. You know, he just gets it right all the time. He's just this glorious little obedient kid. But that kid will come in and he'll throw his jacket in the same spot every time. And he'll leave a dirty lunchbox sitting in his backpack every time. I'll get up the next morning ready to make his lunch. And it's, it's got the rotten stuff from yesterday in it. It's very simple. First thing you do, empty the backpack, throw the jacket over here, hang it up over here, empty the lunchbox, throw away the trash, set it over here so it's ready for the mo- I mean, just basics, right? You should be teaching Austin how to do this. And you need someone to teach you again. The first principles, or the, the first oracles, the elementary principles of God. That's what he says. You need someone to teach you again. I mean, he's almost talking to them like a parent, you know? He's almost talking to them like, I raised you. I taught you better than that. I taught you where to put that. I taught you how to do this. I showed you. I walked this through with you. He says, you've come to need milk and not solid food. Same words that Paul gave to that church in 1 Corinthians 3. For everyone who partakes only of milk. So he's identifying, you don't ever leave the milk. I still drink milk today, but it's not the only thing I partake of, okay? I've increased and expanded my diet, literally and spiritually. He says, everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. What's he talking about? Maturity. Now, maturity is never a completed process. And you'll see the connection between spiritual maturity and discernment here in a minute. But with with spiritual maturity, it's never a completed process. That's an ongoing event. And it's never, uh, uh, you know, salvation is an event. But growing up spiritually is a lifestyle. I can write down the day, the time, where I was, who I was with, that I got saved and born again. Many of you can too. 
You remember that moment. You remember that event. But now spiritually, growing up spiritually, I can't put that in the front of my Bible. On such and such date, I grew up spiritually. On such and such day, this is the day I achieve spiritual. And we're either progressing or digressing. We, you never just stall out and say, well, this is as far as I want to grow. I'm going to stop here. It, the, the moment you decide to stop is the moment you walk away and you begin to walk backwards from the things of God. It's like going to the gym. You take some time off in the gym, you're not picking up where you left off. <laughs> it, don't, it don't work that way. You work yourselves up to the 45s and, uh, you know, you take six months off. You're, going, you're starting back with the 35s, the 25s. You, you ain't picking up 45s and doing what you did six months ago, not having done anything. So spiritual growth is something that we need to be maintaining and increasing and growing. Again, not pridefully, not with a haughty attitude of look at what I know, but growth is an expectation that God has. He says, solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use, reason of use, have their senses exercised. That means there's a practicing and a exercising taking place to discern both good and evil. What did the snake tell? Uh, Eve, if you eat of this fruit, you will know both good and evil. Let me tell you something. There are two ways to achieve knowledge of good and evil. God's way or the world's way. And you don't want the world's way of achieving knowledge of good and evil. You want God's way. You don't want to just know good and evil. You want to discern good and evil. There is a difference. We're not just talking about knowing good and evil. We're talking about the discernment of good and evil. Now, this verse bothered me for so long. Because I'm thinking, good and evil? I mean, you, you have to be that skilled to recognize good from evil? <laughs> He's talking, look, look at these words. Belongs to those who are of full age. Those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern. I mean, you're talking about a lot of effort and a lot of work just to recognize the basic elementary difference between good and evil. I mean, he's making this out to be like, look, this is not just surface level stuff. When the enemy is operating and when he's being tricky and cunning and subtle and crafty and sneaky, It's not that easily recognizable. Is this of God? Or is this the enemy trying to manipulate and twist what is of God? Is this God's way of doing things? Or is this the enemy trying to seduce me? Trying to pull me away from the things that God wants? I tell you right now, the, the, the ones that the enemy is working the most on are those that believe they are doing the greatest work for the kingdom of God, but have no clue that they're not. They think that all their work and all their effort and all their striving and everything that they're gaining and everything that they're doing is kingdom minded, and it's not. It's not. 
Sure, there are those that just blatantly sin and want nothing to do with God and want nothing to do with his word and his principles. But the ones that the enemy is doing the most work on are those that think they're living by that word. Are are the ones that think, I'm I'm doing the right thing. And they they use their interpretation and they use their ability and they use their uh, resources. Man, when we exalt blogs and ministers and pastors above the word of God, we've missed it. We've missed it. I mean, I tell, I tell you guys all the time. And Pastor Earl told us all the time in St. Augustine, don't ever take what I'm saying just because I say it. The moment you go to the devil with, well, Pastor Mark says, I'm going to show you a reference here in just a minute where that gets us in big trouble. No, you got to know the word for yourself. And there's great resources out there. There's great supplements. There's, there's great, but you know, I don't live off of supplements. I don't live off of protein shakes and creatine. Those are great supplements to help me achieve some goals in my life, but I have to have a, a regular diet of some things, Right? What's your diet? Oh, I just take vitamins. You know, what, 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 what kind of food do you eat? Ah, oh, you know, I just take this little vitamin in the morning, you know. That sustains me. No, it doesn't. It can help you, but it's not going to be the end all, be all. He's saying here, and look at what he's focusing on, your diet. That's where he's taking this. He said there are those that can only handle the milk. And there are those that are going to get choked up by solid food. That's what I was saying on Sunday. And I got a little bold and a little passionate about it. But, you know, I'm a little irritated, just to be frank with you. Because when we water down something, we compromise its effectiveness. And now we're choking on things that ought to be producing life in us. Now I have to mush it up in a blender and put it just so you can suck it down with a straw. When we ought to be able to chew this stuff and discern this stuff and let this stuff be the, the, the true nutrient and resource to our life. And then look, when, when discernment is low, deception is high. When discernment is low, deception's high, man. Man, we get misled so easy. We buy into lies so quickly. We, 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 we fall off the path that God has for us. And all the while thinking we're on the right path. All the while thinking we're doing work of the kingdom. All the while thinking. Think about the Pharisees and Sadducees. They thought they were doing the righteous thing by crucifying Jesus. We read, you know, hindsight 2020 looking back. We read it and like, man, these guys were so, these guys were looney tunes. These guys were, were absolute maniacs for what they did. But yet they did it in the name of God. Paul, think about Paul who's writing these words. He was passionately and zealously throwing Christians in jail and hanging them, crucifying them, chopping their heads off, creating widows uh, out of wives and creating uh, uh, orphans out of children, all in the name of God. And when Jesus knocked him off of his horse on the road to Damascus, he said, why are you kicking against the goats? Why are you... Why are you persecuting me? Why are you coming against me? And Paul was like, I had no idea. 
I thought I was doing this for you. Eye opening. We need our eyes open. In these last days, we need our eyes wide open, clearly seeing. So this passage is showing us some things. Look at this in the Amplified version. I don't remember if I read this to you in the Amplified, but I'm gonna do it again. Just really articulates and clears some things. Concerning this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain. Since you have become dull and sluggish in your spiritual hearing and disinclined to listen. So the first indicator that we're getting off is that we begin to close our ears to the word of God. Have you ever noticed when you become lazy in something? It doesn't mean that you, you, you don't achieve it, you don't do it, you're just you're becoming sluggish. You're just not as quick with it. You're not as receptive to it. I've coached my son's uh, baseball teams now for, I don't know, five or six years, going on for a while. And one thing that I try to help them with is you have to have the same uh, 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 passion and the same receptiveness and the same attentiveness in the sixth inning as you did in the first inning. And I try to get them to, to maintain all the way through. I mean, in those last innings, I'm in there, you know, I, I meet with them before they come into the dugout and before they go back out. And I, I say, look, I need everything you got right now. Give me, we got 30 minutes. Give me the last, let me every drop you got. 30 more minutes. Who's, who can give me 30? And I get them, I need to shake their, yeah, we can do it, Pastor. And they rile them up. I need everything. I, we can't become lazy. We can't, in the first inning, you were like this. And in the second inning, you're, and in the sixth inning, you're checked out, chasing butterflies and, it happens. That's real life with nine and 10 year old kids. I got one kid in the outfield. He's always like this. I don't know what he plans to catch. I, I, I've watched so many drill videos and coaching videos and I've been around baseball a lot. I've never once seen this as a standard operating position to do anything in the game of baseball except look like a fool when the ball comes to you. Hey, what are you doing? Why? We can't, we can't become sluggish. It's just, just a little, just a, every second counts. And we're in, we're in a day and age now where every second counts. And everything you put your eyes in. I mean, I've had so many people just in the last couple of weeks. I mean, we're 13 days in, people making some resolutions and changing. I've had people tell me that they've limited themselves to one hour of social media a day. And they say a lot of times they do that by breakfast. <laughs> and they have to put their phone away. I've had people tell me that they've deleted apps off their phone. Why? Because they just, I cannot tolerate contamination. Not today. Not today. Maybe, maybe last year, maybe the last couple years, maybe it was a little. But right now, man, any level of contamination, any that just creeps in and just it introduces itself as truth, but it's really a lie, man. So right, the first thing he says out the gate, you become dull and sluggish in your spiritual hearing, disinclined to listen. How does that look like practically in the, in, in, in the house of God or when you're getting in the word? Well, if you're ever doing it just to achieve something. Bible reading plans are out there. I printed out some more, folded some more for you. I mean, we ran out on Sunday, which is a great thing, but go get you one and if you're not, and don't do the whole, oh, I got to catch up 13 days. Start at day 13. 
I mean, if you want to be, you know, ultra, if you're one of those type A's like me, like, no, I got to start at the beginning. I got, I got to get, that, that's me. Yep. Get it in there. But don't ever do it just to check a box. Yeah, right now, you know, January, we're all enthusiastic, right? The gyms are as full as they're ever going to be this year right now. Come February 1st, the population, you know, those of you that are diehard gym people, give it a couple more weeks. You'll have, you'll have your space back. You'll have your time back. This guy's never been in here. What's he doing on this? You know, just give it a little while. It'll dissipate. So, you know, June, we don't read the Bible like we did in January. That's, that's, that's getting sluggish. Uh, when I'm in here preaching and I go to a passage that I've gone to before and gone to it before and gone to before, those of you that uh, have been here a while, you know, Genesis chapter 1, 26, 27, 28, going to hear it a lot. Matthew 16, 18, 19, going to hear it a lot. Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, you're going to hear it a lot. The kingdom, you're going to hear it a lot. In him, in Christ, in whom, you're going to hear it a lot. Y'all know, and y'all are the ones that run the greatest risk. Like, oh, I want something new. I thought he was going to go somewhere different this morning. kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. Hey, look, we, we all busy preaching about Jesus and we ain't preaching what Jesus preached about. And he, that's all he taught. He was so obsessed with the kingdom. They were like, so when are you become a king, man? When, when are we doing this? When's your kingdom coming? I mean, even in Acts chapter one, before he ascends to heaven there. So uh, that, that whole kingdom business, when, that, that, is this the time? And he said, man, it ain't, it, it's, this ain't about knowing the times and seasons. That's for God to know for you. Go and tarry and wait for the promise of the Holy, Holy Spirit. He will come and he'll do you with power. Then you'll be witnesses. He said, I ain't telling you when, but I'm going to tell you how. But they, they, he was so obsessed with the kingdom. That's, that they were looking for a literal kingdom. So these things that, that, that we, it, our, our initial responses, man, right there, stop and repent and say, Father, forgive me for having that response. I want to draw and I want to receive. Man, this weekend, Pastor Daryl Huff is going to be with us Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Monday night. Come draw, come respond, come pull. I mean, suck everything out of him. Let him leave empty. Nothing left. He'll have to cancel every engagement after us because he ain't got nothing left. Pull it. You, you can pull it. You can draw that out of him. If we're If we're back here... What you got for me today? Or if we're on the edge of our seat, Bible's out, pen's ready, notes ready, locked in, man, he won't be able to get off that stage. Come on. So he, he identifies, first off, you become dull and sluggish, lazy, disinclined to listen. By this time, you ought to be teachers. I'll tell you right now, activity will always help your growth. I, it, it's amazing to me the, the apprehension believers have to just sharing their faith, just talking about Jesus. It doesn't have to be, you know, bullet points and highlights and, and, and you know, having everything in front of you. And it could just be sharing what God's done for you this week. But the apprehensiveness and the, 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 the timidness, that's a, that is of the devil. 
He's wanting to shut down your testimony, shut down your voice, shut down what you can share. And the more activity you can engage in, the more you'll develop and grow. I promise you. I mean, you're on the thing posting anyways. Post what Jesus is doing. Don't post about the left and the right and what's going to happen on this day and what's the, you know, what your opinions are. Post some scripture. I mean, we make some pretty good posts for Anchor Faith Church, you know, and, and, and I do them, so I can, I know we do. Share that. You're sharing everything else, sharing your cat videos and your recipes. And your, share Jesus, man. Share the word of God. Share something that's going to build somebody up. And the activity on your part will develop you and grow you. I can tell you right now, every single person in this room, some of you I know, some of you I don't, you are much further along than you think you are. You know more than you think you know. I'm telling you right now, there's more in you than you think is in there. Let it out. Just talk Jesus. Just talk Jesus. He says, by this time, you ought to be teachers. Because of the time you have had to learn these truths. He's saying, regurgitate it, get it back out. But instead, you actually need someone to teach you again the elementary principles of God's word. From the beginning, he says. And you have come to be continually in need of milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is doctrinally inexperienced and unskilled in the word of righteousness. Right there, I want to stop and I want to identify becoming doctrinally experienced and skilled in the word of righteousness is not just for fivefold ministers. It is not. It is the responsibility of every believer to be a studier of the word, to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer only, and to become doctrinally experienced and skilled. Paul told Timothy, that we should uh, rightly divide the word of truth. If it can be rightly divided, it can be wrongly divided. We all should be able to rightly divide the word of truth. Remember, we're talking about discernment. We're talking about standing up to the deception and the lies of the enemy, especially in these last days. He does it in a tricky way, a cunning way, a crafty way, a subtle way. I'm arming you. I'm telling you, how do we stand against deception in the last days? Know the word. Know the word. Know the word. Be able to articulate it. Be able to communicate it. Be a studier of it. If we're only making a diet off of the milk, we're not going to grow and develop as we ought to. Don't be afraid to, to... journey into maybe even subjects that you don't know a whole lot about or the enemy wants you to be afraid of the Bible he wants you to be afraid of God's word he wants you to be afraid of a lot of stuff in there I think there's a lot of believers that are afraid to really know what divine healing is like I think the enemy has scared believers out of believing in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I told someone the other day, I said, if, if, if there wasn't a 
requirement of speaking in tongues, speaking in an unknown language, we'd have more people filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But there's just this fear block. I mean, I have to talk in a different language. Isn't that weird? I don't know what I'm saying. How do I say what I don't know what I'm saying? How do I say words that I don't know? How do I comprehend them? It's a mental block. It's called the Holy Spirit for a reason. He's a spirit. But it's these types of subjects and these types of things that, that believers don't want to wander into and don't want to study out and don't want to develop themselves in because the enemy has moved them into fear and timidity and Man, we can't, we can't do that. He says we need to be doctrinally experienced and skilled in the word of right. If you flip what he's saying there, everyone who lives on milk alone is doctrinally inexperienced and unskilled in the word of righteousness. What's the opposite? Be doctrinally experienced and skilled in the word of righteousness. Since he is a spiritual infant, but solid food is for the spiritually mature whose senses are trained by practice Trained by practice. So it's not just about getting something in. It's about producing something and doing something over time. How do you get better at something? You practice it. You practice it. You practice. Practice makes proficient. Y'all thought I was going to say perfect. No, we don't ever become perfect, but we can become proficient at something. We ought to be proficient at the word of God. We need a church in these last days that's going to be proficient in the word of God, not deficient. We are grossly negligent as a universal church in the things that matter most. Prayer and being in the word. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't get any more elementary than that. Those are like the two basics. What was that song that they taught us as kids? Uh... Read your Bible and pray every day, and you will grow, grow, grow. I mean, it's a children's song. It's as simple as that. And those are the two things we are the most negligent with as as a church universally. That's not a church that the gates of hell are not going to prevail against. That's not a church that's going to bind and loose in the earth. That's not a church that's going to bring heaven to earth. Now we got to be skilled, developed, trained by practice to distinguish between what is morally good and what is evil. Verse 14 um, in the ESV, I think that's the, what is that? English Standard Version. I just have the initials. I don't use it a whole lot. But verse 14, I liked how it read there. Solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Look at that again. Solid food is for the mature, those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So the last step he shows us in these verses to avoiding deception and strengthening our discernment is that we practice what the word says. We put it into practice. He starts with our hearing. How are we receptive to it? 
He then says that we need to be regurgitating. We need to be sharing. We need to be communicating. We need to be active with our faith. We need to make sure that we are increasing our diet and not just staying on the things that we're comfortable with and the things that sound good. But we need to encourage ourselves and uh, uh, build ourselves up to journey into things that maybe we haven't heard before, things that we've been told aren't truth that really are truth. And then lastly, he says, you got to practice. You got to train yourself. It's all in developing our discernment. It's going to require discernment in these last days to recognize good from evil. It's going to require that. Discern means this. The word discern means this. To separate thoroughly. To separate thoroughly. To discriminate. Yeah, it says to discriminate. To decide. To separate thoroughly, to discriminate, and to decide. You know, Jesus said that there would be a line drawn in the sand. He actually said this. He said, I haven't come to bring peace. I came to bring division. I came to bring a sword. I came to draw a line. I'll separate the goats from the sheep. I'll identify the wolves out of the flock. He said, I'll separate the wheat from the chaff. Oh, the Prince of Peace? Yeah, he wants peace in your life. But in this world, yeah. And I believe that that the times are coming. The times are coming that the lines are being drawn. I believe that they're on the flip side of all this, that there is a greater hunger for truth today than there's been in a long time. I believe this. And that's why I preach the way that I preach. And that's why I preach as bold and as passionate as, I can't take a day off, I'm sorry. I can't come in here, not even on a Wednesday night and just say, ah, you know, it's a lower crowd and people are tired and let's just give them some little milky thing. I can't do that. And there's, there's, it's all encouraging. I, I had someone share with me last week that they've been inviting people and encouraging people to come. And they said, look, you know, you got to be ready. And then they have to back translate. But I mean, it's not bad. <laughs> it's not going to scare you away. It's encouraging. Here's the thing. The only thing, it's the only one that's uncomfortable with the truth of the word is your flesh. Your spirit man on the inside is saying, yes, this is it. We found it. That's life. That's health to my bones. That's that's life to my body. That's what, it, that's what you need. And your flesh is going, ooh, oh, ah, stepping on toes. I step on all of them. Bring them down here one at a time. If it means that my spirit grows more than my flesh. If it means, man, I will crucify the flesh every day. Like Paul said, I die daily. My my flesh wants nothing to do with this. My flesh wants nothing to do. My flesh, preaching it, wants nothing to do with this. Makes me want to preach it all the more bolder. Shut him down, shut him up, put him in the ground, put him on the cross. 
bury him. Do not let him have voice in your life. Yeah, he's uncomfortable. Yeah, he doesn't like it. So what? Look, if your flesh is ever comfortable with what you're hearing in church, you might need to find a different church. (laughs) Proverbs chapter three. Well, I thought I was gonna get a little further, but we'll wrap it up here. Proverbs chapter three. Y'all doing all right? Amen. Now look, this isn't to puff us up. Well, I got something they don't. No. What you have that someone else doesn't have, you should be wanting to give it away. You shouldn't look on them with disdain like, oh, they'll never, they can't have, you know, we, we, we have a better. No, you should be saying, I wish you knew this. How can I get this to you? Holy Spirit, show me how I can speak this to them in a way that they will receive. Proverbs chapter three, verse five, I'm reading in the Christian Standard Bible. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, how many? All of them, every single one of them, all your ways. Acknowledge him, know him, he says, and he will make your paths straight. Deception comes to make paths crooked. You ever taken so many turns that you just lost your way? Like, I feel like I'm pretty good with directions. My wife sitting in the passenger seat would tell you otherwise, but I tell my wife all the time, I say, I don't know how I manage to get around unless you're in the car. I don't, man, I don't know how I manage not to hit stuff. I mean, if it weren't for you bracing yourself or telling me we're supposed to turn up here, how would I get around? <laughs> and every man quietly to himself says amen. <laughs> to yourself. I'm not trying to get you in trouble. <laughs> she, he said it. She ain't here. In all your ways, know him, not just about him, not just stuff about him. He says, in all your ways, know him. New King James reads, acknowledge him. Have you acknowledged the Lord today in all your ways? And he will make your path straight. That means you'll have clarity. Knowing God helps you get rid of confusion. Helps you get rid of chaos. Anybody knows there's a lot of confusion out there? Anybody? Amen me? Anybody notice that there's a lot of chaos out there? Who's right and who's wrong and who's up and who's down and who's evil and who's good? I don't, you don't even know who to believe anymore. You try to pick a side and the side will let you down. But he says in this way, if you will acknowledge him, if you will know him in all your ways, he will make your paths straight. And can I put it this way too? He's the only one qualified and capable of making your path straight. I've tried straightening my path out on my own plenty of times. I've tried giving my path to another resource. I've tried giving my path to another person, to another relationship. To another thing, it's never worked. But he gets my path straight every time. It's incredible. He will straighten my path out every single time. 
in all your ways know him and he will make your paths straight. Now look at this in verse seven. Don't be wise in your own eyes. See, that's, that's deception. You ever notice that deceived people, they're always the wisest people? A lot of times they're the boldest people. They're the loudest people. A lot of times they're the majority. You ever notice that? Deceived people always have to have a group. Discerned people will stand by themselves. Discerning people will always stand. They will, they will stand by them. I don't have to have a group. I don't have to have your opinion. I don't have to have people side with me. I don't have to vote on it. But deceived people always try to accumulate other deceived people. Deceived people work hard to deceive more people. The devil was deceived, and that wasn't good enough. He said, I need to deceive someone else. I need to trick someone else. He was even dumb enough in Matthew chapter 4 to try to deceive Jesus himself. The word. He was communicating the word to the word. I mean, you can't be much dumber than that. But that's how deceived he was. He thought, I can get the word made flesh on my side. He's quoting him scripture. You see why we need to know good from evil? You, need to, you see why we need to practice this stuff? You see, you, you see why I'm being as bold and passionate about this as I am? Because they will quote scripture to you. They will stand in their podiums and they will put it in their little, in, in, in their little flyers. And man, they will, they will code it so churchy for you. And all along, it's just a big lie. It's the devil being tricky and crafty and sneaky and cunning and subtle. Oh, yeah. It's a mess. It's a mess. I, I mean, I, I got, uh, you know, y'all know who I'm talking about, an individual that calls himself a pro-choice pastor. Pro-choice pastor. You know what I mean. A little over 200-something thousand cases of uh, coronavirus deaths, if we believe that, in 2020. Here's a better statistic. 42.7 million babies aborted from January 1, 2020 to December 31, 2020. 42.7 million. Think our priorities are a little out of whack? You think that we got a real idea of quality of life or what life is really all about? I'm endangering you because I'm not wearing a mask. But we are murdering. I'm telling you, I'm having conversations with believers, Christians, so-called, that will argue me why we should be voting pro-choice instead of pro-life. Somehow legalizing abortion lowers abortion. I'm not making this stuff up. This is the day and age we have bought the lie. We have been duped. We have been, we've had the wool pulled over. They say the right things. And they get voted in and they, and they look like they've got it all together. They look like they are the, you know, this is the guy that's going to lead us out, lead us through. No, that's why we need the church, man. We need a church that's going to acknowledge him in all our ways. And he will make our path straight and we will set the path straight. 
and we'll stand all by ourselves. I said, we will stand all by ourselves. I'm prepared as your pastor to stand all by myself. Jesus did. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Foolishness looks wise in their own eyes. That is the greatest amount of foolishness is when you think you're wise in your own eyes. Yeah, that's just foolishness. Fear the, Lord, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.